Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, fellow travelers. How well do you know Middle Earth? Have you ever wondered how it came to be in the beginning? In my new book, Tolkien's Overture, I explore Ainu Lindale, the great creation story that begins the Silmarillion, and unpack the numerous ways in which it foreshadows and defines all of Middle Earth's history from the Silmarillion to The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings. Right now, I'm offering you the opportunity to be a part of the book forever. However, this is a limited-time opportunity, so you have to act fast. Head on over to Tolkien'sOverture.com to learn more. Once again, that's Tolkien'sOverture.com. Thanks for listening to The Tolkien Road, and enjoy the following episode. Talking Tolkien Podcast Episode 8, an interview with Evan Palmer, the creator of an Inalindale comic. Hi everyone, John Carswell here. Welcome to the Talking Tolkien Podcast, your conversational guide to Middle-earth and the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. On this episode of the podcast, Greta and I will be interviewing Evan Palmer, creator of an Ina Lindale graphic novel. Evan was our True Myths Artist of the Month for February 2015, and his adaptation is absolutely wonderful to behold, so this is sure to be a fascinating and informative conversation. If you'd like to view Evan's work while listening, just go to evanpalmercomics.com and click on the Idolindale image. Enjoy. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Talking Tolkien podcast. Um, this is our this is our eighth episode. Actually, though, we're recording it uh, a little out of order. This is We're recording it as our seventh, but it's actually ended up being our eighth. Um, we are joined on this episode by a special guest. I'm really excited about this one. Um because this is our first uh, Tolkien Artist of the Month. And uh, we really picked somebody um, who I think it's going to be hard to top because of what he has put out there. Um, and uh, so I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to Evan Palmer about 
uh, his Ina Lindeley graphic novella. Uh, it's just I've I've read it several times over the last several weeks, and it's uh, it's just a pretty amazing thing. So, uh, Evan, welcome. Uh, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> good, <laughs> good. Uh, so, uh, told I'm all flattered and stuff. <laughs> Starts you off and, and just you know embarrass you and you know, then then you be stumbling the whole way. Um, it's video, so my face won't be all red. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, um, the uh, so one of the things Tolkien said, and we talked about this in the very first episode um, because we've been going through the Silmarillion, and in the first letter, uh, one of the things he mentions is the cycles should be linked to a majestic whole and yet leave scope for other minds and hands wielding paint and music and drama. Uh, so, you know, there's there's no shortage of people out there making. Uh, art and uh, and even music. I think there's a lot more art than maybe mu- the music part of it. Um, but the, I think Tolkien would would look on that and just be very proud that the things that mm-hmm. that he worked on for his entire life have turned into just inspiration for so many different people. And um, mm-hmm. uh, as someone who is someone who really has no visual artistic talent whatsoever. Um, I, I just love looking at the, the different artworks that people make. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I love about Tolkien's vision is that he saw creativity as very integral to man's nature. And therefore it was important to meant to human beings leaving fulfilled lives. Um, you know, in a way we all have something to make, uh, you know, for me, I like, I write a lot and, uh, I make music, so those are kind of my own little creative ways. For Evan, it's obviously, you know, um, it's it's obviously the the more visual side, and there's probably some other stuff too that, that I don't know about what Evan does. But we're going to talk, uh, just kind of kick the Tolkien Artist of the Month concept off by talking about this um, this no this. I'm, I'm calling it a graphic novella. Evan, is that does that make sense? How, what would you term it? <laughs> uh, I just kind of call everything that I do comics. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think some of those words are kind of highfalutin, but I, I certainly <laughs> don't. Uh, I don't. I don't discredit anybody for saying how, describing things however they want. Uh, it's it's definitely on the short side. It's only sixty pages. Yeah. Um, so usually when you have a graphic novel, you're usually talking about over a hundred. So I think that's an apt description. I just it's not a term I use. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, so. Um, uh, this is the first time that I've seen something like this for um, for anything from the Silmarillion. In fact, it might even be the first time I've seen something like this for any of Tolkien's works. And um, you know, I, I just I'm just want to ask you kind of a few level set questions about that. And I guess my first question is, when did you f- first read the Idolandale? <laughs> that's that's actually a really funny story. Um, I. I had never really read Tolkien um, really until a few years ago, uh, and it was just kind of on a whim. I, I wasn't really a big reader when I was in high school, uh, really not through college either, and it wasn't until afterwards that I was just like, you know, I was really starving for something, like some something that wasn't visual that I could like really sink my teeth into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, yeah, I was still like a thrift store uh, around here. And I saw on the shelf that there was the Silmarillion, which is, you know, a friend of mine, you know, was like a bigger nerd than I and like kind of told me a little bit about it and told me like, ah, you probably don't want to read that. Um, <laughs> and I saw it on the shelf there and I picked it up and it's like this nice big book. I'm holding it up. You can't really see it. Oh, cool. um, 
It is actually, and I and I looked through the, the pages. It's actually a first American edition. Nice. Um, it's not super valuable, but it, you know, uh, it's got a lot of history to it, and it just it just felt really nice. So I, I picked it up, and then it sat on my to read pile for like. <laughs> You know, it was like at the bottom of the, I, of the stack. I think that happens to the Silmarillion a lot. I think yeah. it gets. I have to imagine that probably that copy sat on somebody's to read pile for about 30 years and then got well, some stuff. I bet it did. I mean, it's, got, it's got a dust jacket on it, and the dust jacket yeah. is like beat, you know, just real, real beat. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's the nice copy with the big fold out map in the back, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. I, I really, I think it's like a nice visual piece. Right. Um, it's got like the engravings in it and stuff too. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and, and it, so it sat on my a shelf for a while um, next to my bed. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go for this. I read The Ainul in Delay, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he sounds and, like me. <laughs> I was like, I, was like I, I don't, what is this? What, what is this? So I put it down, and I read some other stuff that wasn't nearly as you know good in the end. Right. Uh, and then I came back to it like you know maybe you know two years later, and was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna read it, and and I read it, and 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 coming to it the second time around was like, oh, I get it now, and I saw it, you know. Yeah. Um, and and you know people kind of asked me like about the visuals of of the of you know what I did with the with the story, and I was like, that's just what I saw when I read it. Yeah. Mm. So I literally just translated. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> like That's as best awesome. as I could. I was like, you know, it, it just came, it brought to my mind this kind of quasi um, Fantasia kind of visuals mm-hmm. to it. And I was just like, because mm-hmm. it was so much about music, and and so I was like, oh, it was on okay. that second, it was on that second reading that I was like, I have to do something, I have to make something out of this. You're talking, yeah. and you're talking about like the Disney Fantasia. Like, yeah, the yeah. Disney yeah. Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of like, and that wasn't something I really even thought about for a long time. You know, I love a lot of Disney movies, but that was one that I, you know, haven't seen since I was. Well, like no, it's interesting that you mentioned that, and because I, um, I had written down as one of my questions that the <laughs> Melkor later later on, um, he that that image of him where he's like all big, he he, you know, he grows with the hatred and everything and the pride. <laughs> um, that's that's like, like that looks so much like the um, what's the name the uh, the uh, chair. Chernabog from Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah, I, I, I actually that was really self conscious, like subconscious. Like I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I tried to not like directly rip things off, but <laughs> well, that's, I mean, so, 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 yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, sometimes, I mean, as someone who writes songs, like, I mean, I know that there's stuff stuff that seeps into the stuff I write, where I'm like, I'm gonna hear that, and be, I, I think it's genius, and then I'm like. <laughs> It's just an inspiration, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think right. it definitely sits with you. And, and yes. I think, but I think like that 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 piece of the film in particular kind of was like really kind of stuck with me, and just mm-hmm. you know, like was mm-hmm. in my mind when I thought of it. Especially with Melkor, he's kind of like this. He's a very gothic figure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mm-hmm. and, and that, I think that captures him perfectly. But yeah, I read the whole book, uh, and I sat it down, and then I listened to the audiobook. <laughs> again and so I was like well and, and then so I just made this and so that was literally like right after I read it is, is, wow. is when I made this oh cool wow. um, and, and I just sat down and I think I made it in about two and a half weeks two and wow. a half weeks wow okay wow yeah. that's much faster than I expected yeah <laughs> <laughs> anything like that could be done yeah that, that must have taken was, I mean, a lot of devotion for me too because yeah. I mean honestly to me when I look at this I see how, how fast it is I see how mm. sloppy it is 
to me, um, which is really funny because like I'm a very controlled painter. I don't I don't do a lot of like really loose gestural stuff, and like to me, there's a lot of that in here, which I think like adds to it. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. these paintings are actually fairly small. When you see them like on my website, they're actually blown up. Oh wow! Oh okay. Yeah, they're okay. they're they're pretty small. They're about six by six. Well, before before I get into asking you a, a ton of detailed questions on the thing um, on the on the the comic itself, uh, I, I do want to ask like, what are your what are some of your own artistic inspirations just in terms of style? Like, what do you uh, uh, where where do you find a lot of your inspiration? Oh man, I I'm constantly looking for inspiration. I think like that's kind of the the artistic mode. It's just like you're always kind of looking for that new thing that's going to push you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything you make is kind of a product of the thing that in, that, that inspire you at that time. Um, yeah, so it just kind yeah. of like it definitely rotates. But um, I always tell people that like all I want to ever do is make. 1980s anime. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, like I always go back to that kind of stuff, which is kind of funny because you know like, this this book is like pretty different from that, but you know still a little bit the colors and the and the, the effects that I, I do are still kind of like I'm still like always studying those kind of old anime classics, and for some reason they're just stuck with me. Right, right. <laughs> well, what um, what about um, like methods i guess and again like i am someone who has no um no background really in the visual arts um sure, but sure. i looked at this and i thought maybe it was watercolor but i don't know like what like how do you how do you do it? <laughs> uh yeah it's um it's kind of a mix of things i'm pr- primarily when i'm doing uh physical media uh, i do watercolor um this this book is mostly watercolor and ink so all mm-hmm. the black is okay. not watercolor, it's ink. It's okay. like a heavy uh, sumi ink, which is like a Japanese ink that's kind of, it, it's water-based. Um, and then kind of on top of that is like a layer of acrylic. So that's mm-hmm. where you get like the, the, the colors that really pop out. That's mm-hmm. the acrylic on top. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a mixed media piece, but I think the foundation of it is watercolor, mostly because like, I don't think I would have been able to do this like this fast at all if I had any kind of any other kind of thing. Like watercolor is just like such a fast tool. You just put water down and then just kind of add color to it. Yeah. 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 And that's what makes it like so swirly and kind of magical. And I think that was really the only way for me to capture this. Yeah. I, it's funny because I actually like did a couple of tests for it and I, and I like before I started I did them digitally and I just thought that they were too stiff and too like hmm. you know too, not whimsical too enough fat. maybe. Yeah, they just they didn't have that airiness that I think the final mm-hmm. product ended up having. Like I did that first page, the the there was Eru Iluvatar. Right. Uh, I think I did that one four times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I, I I can see how that would. I mean, yeah, it would be re- especially for the first half mm-hmm. of it because it is so like how do you picture it? You know, you're trying to basically draw music and not just like <laughs> not just music mm-hmm. but like this cosmic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Cre- like creational music it's like how do you actually depict that visually mm-hmm. um, yeah. so you know the idol in delay there's a there's it's going to sound kind of silly to say this there's a lot of words in the chapter of the idol in delay <laughs> it's very dense you know um verb you know verbally um so in terms of did you have to sit down and like construct your own script for this thing before you before you actually drew it or was it kind yeah, of uh, hand in hand? I, wish I, I wish i had them on me but um I have layouts, uh, and originally I thought of it as being each panel was going to be its own page, mm-hmm. and that quickly got away from me. I thought, like, 
you know, like the first page I thought was going to be the, the model for the rest of the book. Um, and it was going to be more of a picture book. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was just like, I, I really have to condense these into like a thought or like kind of a paragraph almost. And so I really did have to do that. I had to go in and edit. I, I really only changed the wording in there, like, like as minimal as possible, but I still took out whole sentences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because they were, they were, you know, um, they were really covered by the imagery or they kind of like were, you know, repetitive, yeah. um, which, you know, kind of aids to that musical language, but it definitely wasn't needed in there. So I, I really had to strip it down. Um, and it took that, honestly, the planning stage took longer than the actual painting of it. Hmm. Yes. I, can, I can believe that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to, you know, you know it, it's short. It's what, like 15 pages, I think, um, in, in the book. Uh, and, and paring it down to like what I ended up with was actually like, pretty like time intensive mm-hmm. um yeah because it could have been i honestly think that if i really wanted to it probably could have been twice as long oh oh, oh. without a doubt i mean it's Absolutely. it's yeah. uh i mean every chat like every chapter in the silmarillion is like that because um you know we're going through on the podcast and doing every you know doing a podcast for each chapter and we always end up talking much longer than i think we will and like <laughs> we didn't talk yeah. about everything we really wanted to talk about and there's yeah, always 15 things I think of afterwards that I wished we had covered. So, yeah, right. and the Ina Lindelay, most of all, is just so dense. Um, there's yeah. just so much going on in it. Um, yeah, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot that's, like, definitely, like, just hinted at. Like, it, it, it kind of just gives you a little peek at what's ahead, and I, I can really, like, mm-hmm. like that. I think it's a really good introductory, uh, you know, um, chapter to, to a full novel. So I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of, like... I knew I had to start there. I always really wanted to go back and do more, but I realized like this is the shortest part of the book. Yeah. Like, I I want to do some of the stories from the rest of the book, but they would be even longer. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously, ones I would have to pare down. And then you know, it's funny because like you know, going if I w- ever wanted to do the full book, which uh, me and my agent have actually pitched uh, wow. to the state. Wow. Uh, but, you know, they're not really receptive to that. They're, you know, they're very standoffish. You know, I think they have a reputation yeah. uh, of being difficult to work with. So we've kind of written it off. Like, it's not something I'm, I'm seeking anymore. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do it. You know, it's, it would be a passion project of mine. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I really don't, like, I don't like to do adaptations um, unless it's something I'm really passionate about. Right. This is kind of my biggest one of that. Um, but, it, but, you know, it's funny because, like, if I wanted to do you know these the chapters in chronological order the next one is like just descriptions i know i know know. but but again it's like yeah valaquenta yeah it's like just so but it's so dense at the same time like there's for each you i mean you could do something really i think cool with each each character and just like going through and like you know illustrating them it wouldn't be very story-like maybe but but it would um there would be a lot, I guess, a lot you could do with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've often thought about how I would do it. It would almost be like a, like a character Bible or something. Or, yeah. Right, you know. exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would be like, a, you know how we have like that Star Wars book, right? Oh, right or like right, that right. character encyclopedia, right? It's it funny yeah. because like you go from this kind of like whimsical like narrative and then go straight into mm-hmm. like, 
you know, here's these hot shots and <laughs> right. lined up. Yes. Uh, so I, I would try to find like a balance. Like, like Monway there with his arms folded, like, yeah, I'm right. awesome. <laughs> right. Just like their stats. Right. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Maybe not very Tolkien-esque in that. <laughs> so you know that was, I, I, like I'm still like like that's a challenge that I wanna I wanna tackle someday. But yeah, um, you know definitely like it's it's you know it's in the to do pile someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that would be awesome. I, I hope I hope that does. I, I mean, I just got to think that at some point the Silmarillion is going to get opened up to people doing doing stuff like that you know it's a pro there aren't any um like like official graphic novel versions of lord of the rings or the hobbit or anything like that are there uh, as far as i know no they're not not at all um there may be some hmm. i'm not <laughs> i'm not as into the like you, like the fan universe as i as i you know would like to be um mm-hmm. mostly because i'm so busy all the time <laughs> uh but i do know that there are other people who do make comics uh some based on you know some of the stories from from the Silmarillion. I've seen some really cool. Um, uh, what what is it? The ones where uh, that guy climbs the mountain to rescue the guy with that's pinned to the mountain. Oh um, <laughs> no, I know it's uh, Mithros. Is yeah, that Mithros? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, you'll notice I'm also really bad with the names. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's you and me both. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen. Doesn't help. They each have like four of them uh, too. So yeah. they've they've been done, but they've been more like straight. Like more like I haven't seen anything that's quite as like painterly um, that I've as me, um, but I've definitely seen like some that are more straight comics mm-hmm. uh, that were actually really interesting and, and well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wish well, I could have researched them and done and looked them up, but I, now I forgot. <laughs> right. Um, well, so um, so we we did talk a little bit generally about inspirations. Um, Tolkien. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, uh, he's at the heart of it. You mentioned Fantasia as as being something in there. You mentioned some eighties eighties anime. Was there anything? In, but you said it's kind of whatever you're doing, you're looking at at that particular time. When you did this, was there anything that was really influencing you at that particular moment, other than Tolkien? Um, honestly, not really. Like, I, I whenever I'm doing adaptations, and I and I and I'm a huge fan of of novels. Um, I'm basically always reading something, mm-hmm. uh, um, and it's usually sci-fi or fantasy. Uh, and I really just try to let the words themselves inspire me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try not to like, like, you know, when there's something that's very popular. Yes, there's other adaptations of it, um, and I, I try not to look at those things to get to like screw with my my mental imagery that I'm getting. Um, so I, I really just try to let it come out and, and let it kind of paint itself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Cool. That's really awesome. Um, so music is obviously, as we talked about, music is obviously a tough thing to portray visually. And, uh, you know, Ina Lindelay is literally means music of the Ainur. Um, so how did you, how did you come up with your way of portraying the music of the Ainur? Oh man, that was so difficult. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, like I, this is, this is my passion. Like comics are my life. And like I've done, I've tried like the whole the whole thing about comics is you're trying to interpret like all five senses into just one single static image, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just re- I've always kind of like really been interested in in transforming sound into into visual imagery, mm-hmm. um, and and really and I think it really just has to come comes down to like expressionism, you know, really just coming down to like um, seeing like visualizing this sound. Or visualizing the, this like 
the kind of rhythm that he's talking about. And, he, mm. and it's funny because like the book is kind of the same thing. It's like there's no music in the book, obviously. It's, it's right. just kind of in your head. Um, so it's just kind of like a double interpreting kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm. Uh, so uh, honestly, it was just like doing, like sitting down like with a sketchbook in, in my hand, like at a coffee shop and just kind of like making marks and just kind of like moving my hand to see kind of, you know, what, you know, what came out. Um, and especially like, mm. um, like there's pages where like some of the, the Einer are moving around um, and using kind of their movement as like, like a rhythm kind of like mm-hmm. you know staccato kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. well see yeah we're looking at one panel right now where it seems like they're kind of like 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 one of them is like almost like puddle hopping or something like that like it's <laughs> it's kind of like uh yeah you know so i can say i hadn't thought about the rhythm part of it before you said mm-hmm. that but i you know i can i can see that now big yeah. time yeah yeah and it was really funny because when I, when I first thought about it and like the more like i read into it i was like okay so they're in they're in kind of this space beyond like time and and everything like mm-hmm. would it just be black and i was like no that would be really boring if it's just <laughs> kind of like if they're in space and i was like what if there was just like some like intangible medium that's just kind of just out of the visual range like what if there's like if you kind of get these like hints that there's something there like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that they're creating something that there is some physicality to the space and that's kind of what led to the like basically them kind of dancing on this huge ocean that you can't really see. Mm. Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a tough like realization to kind of like translate that. Uh, I think, I, can, I think you did. I think you did a good yeah. job. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really, that's really cool. I, yeah. I really like the that, one. It definitely uh, helped because there was, there were no physical descriptions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really like the, uh, the propounding great themes of music there that look like it's like some kind of like staircase or something like that. Um, you know, where the, it's on the far left. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know you're probably like, which mm-hmm. one was that again? <laughs> um, no, yeah, but, no, that one, I, it's like kind of, I, I imagine it as kind of like the Northern lights, kind of like a ribbon. Yeah. Like kind of, mm. oh, there cool. was some sort of like, oh right, 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 like ethereal like shape in the air that you know wasn't fully there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. you definitely hit it a nice balance between ethereal and actually giving it some form, and so that it, it there's there is some of that rhythm and musicality to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, well, and the way I kind of thought about it was that like there was no like the way the the chapter is like is talked about is like everything is within uh, Illumitar. Like everything is kind of like within him, so it's like mm-hmm. almost like like we're in his brain kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Mm. So this is all non-physical. It's all like headspace. It's all kind of uh, um, yeah. Just it's just ideas and thoughts made made physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. um, is so is um, I'm looking at the one that uh, has the big. It says, "And all were in unison and harmony." Sure. And then. Um, I was wondering, is is that a particular shape, or like, is there something <laughs> behind that particular shape? No, I just kind of made it up. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I, I wanted there to be a palace of some sort that kind of gets constructed out of their music. Mm. Like their their music kind of makes a world around yes. them. Yeah, um, and so it kind of made this the, these. You know, they talk about the halls of Iluvatar, and like, there's no real description of what that is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like. Mm. I was like, this is kind of that, but also everything is the halls of Louvatar. So um, it was kind of a weird thing to kind of make. So I, I, I did just I, I created that early on to make like a physical, like architectural space that that the world can kind of sit in. Uh huh. And so it kind of becomes this like world with a world within a world. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, 
so how did you, uh, or I'm sorry, why did you decide to portray the disembodied Ainur as orbs? Um, <laughs> and I understand that maybe it's as simple as like, because that's the kind of the simplest shape there is, but you know, what, what, was there a conscious thought process behind that? Was there a series of going through some different ideas on that? Um, honestly, like it, it wasn't as like conscious as you may think, but it definitely, like, I definitely did have to make that choice. Um, because early on I was like, okay, what would these guys look like? And, and, you know, if this is before the world, like, it would be, like, it, it, it's it's kind of a quasi-religious thing, um, but, like, it would be, like, really foolhardy to imagine them needing arms and legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no reason for them to be human-shaped. Well, I, and I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. and definitely mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in the story, it talks about them not, not having that kind of form. They right. took on a form because they... Because for the sake of the children of Iluvatar, so that the, so that they that they would be more relatable to the children of Iluvatar. Right, definitely, and like, and, and, and the reason why I made Iluvatar like kind of this orb, and then he kind of becomes a man, um, is because like, is honestly that was that was like the most conscious thing that I did. Like originally, he was always just an orb, um, and 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 then I said like, well, if he's you know, if the children of, of Iluvatar are his, are indeed his children, then I thought like maybe there would have to be something reflected yeah. of them in him, mm. yeah. like kind of a, a self-reflexive kind of thing. Oh, yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I had to make him greater. Like he was always kind of like I, I think of the idea like the orb that he is in the beginning is really only him dipping his toe into reality. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's only really one aspect of him, and so when he becomes this kind of man shape like this glowing man he's kind of like like you're kind of seeing a little bit more of him because he has to make a little bit more of an effort yeah yeah Mm, (laughs) um i'm asking a ton of questions do you want to no no i I never talked about it (laughs) (laughs) well this is i mean this is awesome and and again let me say this because i actually wanted to say this at the beginning thank you for just like doing this and you know, you haven't been paid for it or anything like that, and just sharing with the world because this is so awesome. Like, yeah, well, as someone who just loves these stories dearly, like, I really hope one of these days you get a chance to take a stab at all of them. You know, I, yeah, in okay. particular, Baron and Luthien because I, I just <laughs> love that story. I always said that if I did another one, that would be the first one that I did. Yeah, yeah, oh, um, nice. I love that story. Um, I just think it's like got a lot of good visual qualities to it that would be just really great for for translating but you know it's funny i mean you thank me but like this the thing that i made is actually me thanking tolkien mm-hmm. mm. just like i love this book so much and this book that like when i talk to other people there's like they, they're kind of wishy-washy about it like some people hate it some people really appreciate it for what it is but still don't find it an interesting book and i'm just like i i fell in love with it when i read it because it was just yeah. like i really read anything like it mm-hmm. um you know, like I like denseness. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and that's and this is probably the most dense book I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, so this was me being like, you know, I even put in the in the in the. Um, it's not on the it's not on the online, but I in in the physical book I've I've made a few physical copies of it. Um, I don't have any more <laughs> mm-hmm. because I can't print it anymore. Yeah. Um, but there is a little like uh, forward where I basically just say. Uh, this is basically a work of love. I did it for a book that I love, and uh, you know, I hope to just kind of, if you like this, read this book. You right, know? right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's. I mean, that's exactly why I made my website and doing this podcast is because it's just like, you know, I, I just, I, I'm like, I just want to talk. I just want to sit down and talk with people about this stuff, and 
And I figure if I'm going to do that and write about it, then I might as well share it with other people and whoever wants to listen in and read and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like what you're doing there with the, sure. with the art. Um, yeah. Well, and, and it's funny cause I made this like, I, you know, I wasn't really into the whole like Tolkien fan base. I, I, you know, I am very much made aware of it now, but like this was kind of my introduction to that. It was just like, I made this thing just because I wanted to make it and I didn't have any other means of like showing my appreciation for it and expressing myself. Um, And then I made it and then I just was like, oh, I'll put it online. Um, And I put it, I put it online on my Tumblr like eight pages at a time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the first one, the first like chapter or the first part of it I put was like the most popular thing I'd ever done. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, I have sold a few copies of it in the past. Uh, it's not legal to do that, but I, <laughs> it's know, what's done is done. <laughs> I, I haven't made enough money off of it to really qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien estates could be coming after that sweet moolah. <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it's, it's definitely within the right to do, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, their property. Um, but you know, I was like, I put a lot of work into this. I just wanted people to have it. Honestly, if I could have printed it and given it away for free, I probably would have, but I can't um, because yeah. it's actually really expensive to print. Yeah. Uh, that's why one of the big reasons why I don't make it anymore. But you know, I, I I would have these at conventions and people would come up to me and just start talking to me and be like, "Wow, there are a lot of people who love this stuff, and I yeah. didn't even know about it." Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, and I think there's a I think there's a hunger to see more. Um, I mean, I I think eventually there's going to be just. At some point, at some point, things will be far enough along. You know, it's just like the there. What there's, I'm sure there's some kind of law I'm referring to, just like not a legal law, but like a law of the universe that says at some point <laughs> the Silmarillion is going to become graphicized, and you know, it's going to become comicized, and you know, yeah. um, it, it just at some point. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, so can we can we make out specific Ainur by their colors in here? Um. Kind of. Okay. If you don't want to get, if it's a secret and you don't want to give it away, it's not. It's not really a secret because, like, when I first developed it, I did draw shapes and be like, "Okay, yeah. this is him. This is him. This is him." But since they're barely mentioned at all, I was just like, "What's the point?" Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really like. I can just kind of draw whatever. Um, but I'm gonna open the book because I can't remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the in Idolandale, it's really Manwe, Olmo, and. Right. who are the three that are really mentioned in there um and I, I honestly like when i drew them like there's really only a few times where you really see them distinctly um usually manwe is kind of the most forefront one uh-huh um and and honestly when, whenever i first did it like the first couple of pages i, I kind of imagined them as like almost having interchangeable bodies like they they are all each other Kind of thing, like they mm-hmm. haven't they haven't like made themselves distinct yet, so they're all just kind of like kind of bumping into each other and kind of trading traits and and it's not really until they come to you know come to Middle Earth that they're like that they like solidify as being you know the shape that they are. Um, but later on, like when they when they go into the vision of the Earth, um, like I tried to give them like colors. Yes. Uh, so like. Blue was always um, Olmo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I, I gave them, like, whenever they go to Earth, like, he's got kind of fish. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and when, in those parts, I can definitely fish. tell from, yeah. from most but of them who they are. Until then that yeah. I really, like, had to start defining them. Yeah. Um, so before that, it was almost just, like, 
it was kind of random. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, like I, there was so much planning that I put into it in, in the beginning that I was just like, I can't keep track of this. Yeah. No, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, we're, we're going to pause real quick and take a, uh, so we can insert a commercial break. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, we're just going to press pause on the recorders and we'll be right back. Do you know the tale that Tolkien called the kernel of the Middle Earth mythology? Baron and Luthien is the story of an outlaw mortal and an elvish princess tasked with obtaining a Silmaril, one of the holy jewels of the Blessed Realm, from the Iron Crown of the Dark Lord Morgoth. In my new book, Tolkien's Requiem, I explore the legend of these doomed lovers. In doing so, I aim to provide a backdoor into the world of the Silmarillion for those who have struggled to give it a go. One of Tolkien's greatest achievements, the story of Baron and Luthien, deserves to be as well known as The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Get your copy of Tolkien's Requiem today by visiting truemyths.org slash baron. That's truemyths.org slash b-e-r-e-n. Happy reading! Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back after that little break there. Um, again, we're chatting with Evan Palmer about his Einolindale um, comic slash graphic novella slash whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, and uh, we were uh, talking just about the difference, the different ways you portrayed certain things, um, especially in the first half. And the, the next question I had on my list here, and Greta, feel free to interject questions as you, because yeah, I, I feel like think, I'm doing, I feel like I'm asking all these questions, well, all the questions. But. I just don't think I can hang. Like I'm just not the Tolkien nerd Fantastic person that oh, right. uh, well, like I said, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Not, this I'm is my first time through the Silmarillion, Evan. And um, basically, when John thought about doing this podcast, he's like, oh, I want to do this podcast, but I want somebody else to do it with me. So it's not totally like lecture and boring, but he couldn't figure out who. And then one day he looked at me and said, You. You should be my co-host because you'll make me look really smart. I knew I married you for a reason. There was a very good reason we had married you. Yeah. Um, like, the guy who's all the way into it and then the person that's like the initiate. And I think that's like two valid perspectives because I think like like a piece of fiction and a, and a piece of culture like has to be evaluated from, from both of those points Hell of yeah. view. Like, yeah. you know, the, the apprentice and like the master like are both valid. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's been a pretty good... Better about myself. Thank you, Evan. I, <laughs> well, because, and, like, I, I think I'm kind of halfway in the middle. You know, I, I read it and then I listened to the audiobook and then I studied the first chapter for a million years. Well, uh, but uh, honestly, like, I, I I can't hang with with the big dogs. <laughs> I, I I would ne- I would uh, I would not consider myself a master by any means when it comes to this stuff because I look out at the world like we're talking about. I look out the out, out at the world of people who love. Tolkien and you know I have not read like the history of Middle Earth series I hope to one day but I I mean there's 12 volumes of that beast and (laughs) it's just like and it's not the most easy to like it's it's it gets a little bit you know it's basically notes about old drafts and um and I do want to read it but 
there's people out there who have read those things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and have PhDs in this stuff and speak Elvish and that kind of thing. And I'm just like, I just I just love Tolkien and I just want to read it right. and explore it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think those those books are those twelve volumes are like really valuable if you're really into finding all the little details, um, or if you're really into writing and language. Yeah. Uh, mm. Otherwise, not so much because yeah. I've kind of I've taken I've taken uh, I've taken a peek and I don't know if like if I have to like think about like okay at one point in the story like this was how it was and then he changed it and it's like. Uh, in the end, I'm kind of I'm kind of more interested in that finished product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I hear you. I'm very much into world building, um, and I love the idea of like how the, like learning about how this world was constructed. Yeah, but just knowing that it was constructed is kind of enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, right. I, I yes. know these things have to go through. Well, it's it's it's, it's yeah. just so vast in and of itself that it's like you know you you really like you would have to spend like. Like devote yourself just to reading about Tolkien, basically to to go to go that deep into it. Um, I mean, it's just you, the, the Silmarillion itself is deep enough. The one thing I will say is that um, the the bits of unfinished tales that I've read that's mm-hmm. that I don't know if you've read that one, but that one is really mm-hmm. um, it's like the I think it's it's not really part of the History of Middle Earth series, but it kind of came before. It was almost mm-hmm. like a a pilot or something like that for it. It seems yeah, like, I but it, I thought it was the, like one of the first. But but it contains it contains stories from all three of the ages, right? So it's and um, and there's some really cool, just kind of like little backstory stuff in there. And it doesn't it it reads a little bit like the history of Middle Earth series, but just I think there's a lot of stuff like you know there's like it tells where like um, a lot about Gandalf's origin and like it tells the whole story about um, like that that led up to the Hobbit, you know, the dwarves, like why they even started. The down the idea of wanting to go and reclaim um, the Lonely Mountain and yeah, um, so there's a lot. Actually, there's a lot of cool stuff in that one. But anyway, well, yeah, I might check it out. I, I honestly, the reason why I read the Silmarillion is because I had one big question that you know, I, I, honestly, and I wish the the main th- the main four books had kind of this information in them uh, because I think they really enriched the story. But I was just like, what the heck are wizards? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, and like that's why I read the Silver because I was like, yeah. I gotta find out what wizards are. That's right. And they're in right. the last like twenty pages of the book. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Say the best for last. Well, he did, you know, oh, he just, he just mentioned there uh, very briefly. Although he did, Tolkien doesn't come right out and say it in the Valaquinta, but he's uh, but he mentions Gandalf by a different name in the in Valaquinta. But um, right, it's funny because like yeah, I always was like you know in in most modern fantasy, especially high fantasy, like wizards are people that just have magic powers and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was very clear reading these books that that was not the case right mm-hmm. like right. this is not a human so like what is it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah if if uh if that's a if that's an interesting one to you, you should check out unfinished tales then because that's yeah. um it, it's got a whole chapter kind of devoted to that topic uh it's really it's really a fascinating one uh but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a lot of a lot of my curiosity has been satisfied by the uh the Wikipedia pages. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Those are a nice resource when you're just there. Oh, you, you just go down with the Wikipedia, Wikipedia hole, so you're just like, wizards, and then you start learning about <laughs> wizards, and then you start learning about, you know, the, the, the eastern parts of Middle Earth and all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's vast. It is vast. Um, yeah. So, um, did you... Okay, so did you deliberately make the inter- the endless interchanging melodies thing to look like a tree? No. Uh, do, you, do you see I what I'm seeing that, there? I, I saw that in your write-up, and I was like, 
Oh yeah, hey, look at that. <laughs> I thought maybe you had because you know trees. Uh, that would have been so. That would have been a very cool thing to have deliberately done. But it's even cooler that you didn't deliberately do it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like I thought of it as like a like it becoming a solid thing, like a column or something. Mm-hmm. Like they made this, you know, the swirling mass kind of like a backwards tornado. And then the reason why it turns into a tree is that he like he becomes absorbed in it, and it starts dispersing, and it starts like becoming the world. Like when he does that, Mm -hmm. like if you notice, like in that on that page, like like Iluvatar kind of sinks down into it. Yes, and so that was that was kind of my way of him like becoming Mm -hmm. enraptured in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it kind of develops him like spaghetti almost. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really cool, though. I, I mean, because because trees were hugely important to Tolkien. And, oh, definitely. Um, definitely. So I, it's just a nice touch. A nice mm-hmm. touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've always said that if I ever get a, a Tolkien tattoo, it'll be the two trees. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I've always thought that was such a cool part. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, well, so oh, yeah, uh, I want to make a comment. Yeah. I finally thought of something to say. Can you? Yeah. I love the colors that you used oh, for the you. music of the for that whole where the the endless changing interchanging melodies and then those next that next woven panel yeah the yeah. woven I mean it's just gorgeous I mean I just I think that's you know every time I talk about Tolkien I think like I I um mental pictures are just so. You know, I think that's what you described, that this was just basically a translation of the mental pictures that you right. saw when you were reading the book. And, um, you know, if I, I have no, like, dumbness, I have no artistic talent whatsoever, but if I were to translate the mental pictures that I saw reading this, that's what mm-hmm. it would be. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because, like, I, you know, and, and this goes back to my earlier point of, like, trying not to look at other stuff mm-hmm. uh, doing this. Um like there's a like whenever you look at Tolkien art, it's almost like it's all like earth tones and dull and kind of mm-hmm. like very, yes. very drab. And I'm yes. just like, I was like, no, this is like mm-hmm. like the most explosive. Like this is the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this, so this has to be like basically a freaking rainbow. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> a rainbow on steroids. Yeah. That's what this right, needs to be. Right. So I was just <laughs> right. like, I, I, it's funny because like I even. You know, I'm doing this watercolor. Watercolor is not the brightest, mm. you know, paint set you could buy. Um, so I basically did these kind of rough colors. And I took them in the, compa- in the Photoshop and just, like, amped them up all the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. So gotcha. like, the actual paintings, like, they're still kind of the same colors, but they just don't have that, like, vividness to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just no way I could have achieved that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. It's so pretty. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, I like the thought behind that though. With a, yes, just, uh, like a, ra- a rainbow, a rainbow, a, just a freaking rainbow on steroids. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's like if you get hit in the face with a rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> rainbow baseball bat. Oh man, um, Leprechaun comes up to you and just smacks yeah. you with a rainbow. Uh, so, so Melkor, um, especially like early on, um, how did you how did you come up with the idea for portraying Melkor? Um, Mel, I, Melkor was always this like really interesting figure to me. I, I'd always kind of wish he had more of a role in you know the four main books. Like he's not mentioned, but really. Um, I just, I, I thought he was like this kind of interesting, tragic figure. Um, hmm. and so I, 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 thought of him as like being like, 
they are all aspects of the world, and like they're all kind of maybe these po- these positive things. And he, I think him like the may the like the the aspect of him is like the darkness and the void, mm-hmm. and so like he kind of became that like he was like the eclipsed moon or whatever. So that's exactly what he yeah. became. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, like literally turned him like he's the most physical one because like yes, he's the he's also the greatest, mm-hmm. um, and so he's the one that feels most physical. Yeah. Uh, because he's he kind of represents that. Very cool, very cool. So, yeah. one thing I one thing I noticed about this is um, uh, he's got the the black lines, um, you know, coming out of him, <clears throat> and I see him kind of like you know it's like going over the other colors, which I think again like I, that we started using a, this metatolkien term on here when we have like a a, a moment that seems very like deep and like. <laughs> <laughs> um, very reflective of Tolkien's own thought, and um, and that to me is really interesting because you know it's like is it is it its own color or is it just is it almost just like neutralizing the rest of the color and um, and and I look at that and like you know so for Tolkien like the problem the problem of evil like is evil mm-hmm. its own thing or is evil just a negation of the good and so mm-hmm. I just think that's a really cool touch and and I was just wondering what your thought on the on that part of it was too like. Yeah, I, I think to me, like, it was supposed to be, you know, this kind of, like, like what's the most discordant thing to a rainbow in the face is just, like, you know, more blackness. And, like, mm-hmm. they're introducing this blackness, or the, mm-hmm. this kind of, this light in, into blackness, and so mm-hmm. he's bringing it back. But he's bringing it back in a physical way. Like, it's, like, not only is he bringing back the darkness, like like, kind of destroying what's there, but he's also, like, caging it in almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i wanted it to mm-hmm. feel like it was basically like like it was an extension of himself like it was making the world like oppressive and like um claustrophobic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting too how were you where you depict the um the his his own imagining mm-hmm. with the the not only the blackness um, on top of the, the the dark, on top of the the color, but the the contrast and the geometrics mm-hmm. that you have on top of the swirly squares and angles. Yeah, the squares and, and angles yeah. on top of the more you know whimsical, um, flowy color. I think that's a really nice <laughs> contrast too. Yeah, and I think it's funny because like it, it, it's almost like like to me it was almost him bringing in like it's it's basically the the, the first time you, like there are straight lines in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. It's actually the first time there are lines <laughs> at all, um, hmm. and so it's almost him bringing, like, he's almost being like the pessimist. He's like being the he's being the hard scientist, like the person who likes the the rules and and the stuff to this this whimsy that's that's like kind of coming out. And so I think he's actually like bringing in something that's necessary. Um, mm. It's it's almost like he's he's balancing it. Okay. Um, okay. And I think that's that's something that kind of gets overlooked that it's like it's like all all, all he calls were problems, but like. You know, and and if you kind of inter- interpret what Illuvatar says, it's just like that's part of the world. Like it, it that's what made it complete. Mm-hmm. So well, without, it, it, is, yeah. it is a fight, but the struggle itself is the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's true. I mean, because I mean, really, what makes um, you know what makes good seem more good? It's the evil in the right. world, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, without evil, can you have good? You know, I mean, it's exactly so, that. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's very, very nice. Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Oh. Thanks. Um, uh, so, 
so let's let's shift gears and move. Well, not really shift gears, but move kind of fast forward a little bit into AI. Um, cool. And um, so down, down, down we go. Um, uh, so one thing that really stood out, you know, big time is that the Valar when they take when they take form, uh, they're very childlike. Mm-hmm. Uh, they struck me as very childlike. Um, what was your thought behind? I, I, I don't know if that was the 80s anime thing coming through or if it was something else or, or, or what, but... Um, I, I couldn't tell you what the exact, like, inspiration for that was. Um, they are intentionally babies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted them to be, like, you know, cherubs. Yeah. Uh, because they're immature. Because, like, they, you know, they, they don't kind of have that responsibility of, like, you know, they, they just got there. So, like, right. having them, you know, come to the world fully formed and, like, fully wise, I, I thought that was kind of, like, it made them a little too, like, less human. Like, yeah. it's, mm. it, like, the, the story of, of this, of the Silmarillion, is really the story of them, like, becoming the, the, the kind of quasi-gods that they are. Um, so they kind of had to earn that. Mm. So I, I felt, mm-hmm. and, like, and they can change their form at any time. So, you know, early, like, even by the end of the book, they look more like adults. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. And that's a great point. I I mean, um, you know, we just finished doing a podcast on chapter two of Aule and Ivana. And, you know, in that chapter, Aule is like, he's like this little kid who goes off and gets impatient and he makes his own stuff. And he's like, whoops, sorry, I, you know, I, sorry, sorry, I went and did that, Dad, you know? Like, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what it is. I always, I felt like their, since their, their physical being isn't like, you know, isn't solid, mm-hmm. like, let's just let their, whatever they look like, reflect the emotion of, of the time. So I figured, like, if I made this, you know, into a full book, like, they kind of like they kind of wouldn't have a lockdown, you know, form. Yeah. You know, you know, when they're fighting, yes, they look more like adults, but when they're just kind of like playing, it makes mm-hmm. more sense for them to be children. Yeah, well, I mean, the more I think about that, the more I really like it. Like, <laughs> like, well, I, you know, um, Ali made the dwarves right, and he he made them, be- and he 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 had a vision of what the children of Iluvatar were going to look like, but it wasn't like. It was just a vision, and he had to just kind of right. try to remember it when he was making right. the dwarves. It's, it's close. So, yes. so it would make yeah. sense that when they try to take on their form that's supposed to be kind of like what they saw in the vision, they don't quite get it fully yeah. fully mature. They, they can remember that, mm-hmm. oh, there were some arms and there were some legs, and, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, but but that's about all I can remember. And so it, it makes mm-hmm. sense that they're having to, you know, start at that place. But it's it just also, yeah. they look so, they, they look, they look, human in one sense but they don't look human in another sense too they 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 look um just like they, they just stand out so much you know yeah. and and i again i just really like that i, I wanted them to have like an otherness to them i didn't yeah. want them to mm-hmm. yeah like, otherness that's a good good term i didn't yeah. want them to feel like that they were straight up you know humans or like or elves or whatever um so i you know i, I honestly think i, I should have pushed that more um, <laughs> they're actually my least favorite part of the whole book. Oh. <laughs> well, I think it's I think they I think it's brilliant. So I mean, um, yeah. And I yeah, just yeah, I, I wanted them to stand out. I wanted them to feel like you know they were otherworldly because they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
were you going to say? That's awesome. I was going to say that I just noticed, I've, I've looked at this several times, but I just noticed in the panel um, just before that, just before we see um, the Valar, but when we, we see the um, you see the Einor landing in the water, um, mm-hmm. and I just noticed that in that last panel all the way on the right, which is the powers of the world, for they are Valar, the powers of the world, that the that there's shapes coming out of the, the orbs that have, there's like a head, mm-hmm. right? Right, like and, they're, they're rising out of the Right, ship. exactly. And that too is very symbolic of what, like of, of a birth, when you think about the womb mm-hmm. being yeah. filled with water, and then here they are. So it makes sense that, that they you would, you know, that they would be babies. Like yeah. that, that <laughs> follows. It makes sense. That's exactly, that, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I mean, even in, in that sense, like in, in the next panel on the next page, they're still white. They don't have... Right, exactly. They're, oh, they're yeah. barely yes. physical. They're still That's... kind of becoming who they are. Right. Um, yes. And so, like, the next panel after that is, like, them kind of putting on their guises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, really subtly, but, you know. I like, I like that... Uh, is it Olmo who has the uh, the beard? The, ba- the baby oh, beard? Oh, yeah, that's, that's Olmo. <laughs> uh, he's the, he's, the he's a salty girl. sailor. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. He's, he's the kid with the beard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I love I love Melkor. Like I love how you did Melkor because that's like he's just that pouty kid, like off in the corner, like mm, they won't play with me, and I don't want, I don't care, cause I don't want to play with them anyway, yeah. you know. And it's just, and I, and I love the um, the transformation that you send him through mm-hmm. as well. Because when I first saw him, I was like, well, that's got to be Melkor, but he doesn't look nearly mean enough. <laughs> and then then I see what you did, and I was like, oh, okay, that's... Yeah. That's yeah, cool. I almost feel like the clothes they wear kind of become a part of them because they're not physical. Like their clothes aren't physical. It's like they kind of get enveloped in, in this thing, and it kind of becomes like an armor or kind of like a an outer shell. Like he becomes mm-hmm. like a le- leathery monster. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, That's <laughs> I don't know. It, it was kind of like difficult because like he's like the whiteness is kind of like that. That is his godliness, and then he kind of like loses it. And and mm-hmm. I try to make it feel like you know Melkor like. He is standing apart from the other ones, but there's nothing kind of keeping him there. He's like, it's kind of like this self... Self-imposed. Yes. Self-imposed mm-hmm. Kind of like, I'm going to be the pouty guy. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Um, and, and that, like, honestly, this part of it is the part that I feel like could be longer. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I would want to kind of go more into their relationships and, like, make them be characters. Because kind of before that, there weren't really very many characters. But, and, and you get to this point, it's like, you know, they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And so, um, a little further down, he Melkor starts has started to take more shape, and mm. uh, he 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 starts to look kind of like animal animalistic or something like porcupine. that. Is that a porcupine? <laughs> it, it, well, what, so were you going were you going for some kind of animal in particular? Were you going for a porcupine like Reda said, or I, I kind of I just kind of wanted him to be beastly. Yeah. Yes. I, I, yeah. I wanted him to be like he's puffing himself up like it's mm-hmm. it's all fake you know like he's yes he's just like the other ones but he's like putting on this kind of like you know this tough monster look to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's cool. cool that's really neat yeah, yeah. Um, and then so uh, um and their labor was not in vain i'm trying to I'm, I'm looking at my notes right here and trying to find this panel um <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a mysterious figure in the this particular panel that I'm trying to find. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, here we go. So a little further down, um, mm-hmm. there's the guy standing alone there. It, it, 
is that supposed to be anybody in particular? Is that Monway? It kind of looks like it might be Monway. Which, uh, I'm sorry. Um, and there, it says in their labor was not in vain. It's kind of a, it's one of the more peaceful looking ones. It's just got, uh, like, it's, it's four wide panels in one. It's after all Melkor's It's destruction. probably Monway. <laughs> okay. It looks like him from the back. Yeah, yeah uh, it does. Uh, it see. does. Yeah. Oh, that's at the very end. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, that they, those are specifically. I, I'm I'm trying to remember who they were. It's Monway, and then it's um. Oh, what's his face? The guy, the guy who discovered the elves. <laughs> oh, oh uh, Orame. Orame. Yeah, Orame. Oh, oh, and then oh, it's yeah. um, and and then it's Mandos. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because uh, I figure like yeah. he's kind of the, the doomsayer. Yeah, he could he could be the last one. <laughs> um. What so on the so obviously the last panel you know is is just this peaceful you know peaceful image of uh, of the white the white ship and so um, I know the the Teleri later on have have the white ships um, you know what was was that your kind of thought there just to almost portray that or because that that fit that shows up more than once in uh, in here yeah. Um Honestly, that, that was kind of like the first big choice I had to make, um, because when they talk about the elves coming, uh, you know, coming to, to to Earth, like it was, it's never really said how that happens. Uh huh. And and like your first thought is like, oh, you know, Iluvatar just kind of puts them there, and I just like I don't want like a giant god hand coming out of the sky and putting these like clay dolls down. Like I wanted. Mm. I wanted something else. Like yeah. I wanted them kind of like coming oh, out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, in these ships, like they have knowledge when they come to Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm using the, the wrong term because it's not Middle Earth yet. But <laughs> yeah, no, they all gets they all kind of blends together. Art of Middle Earth. They, uh, yeah, that's what everybody knows it as. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I use it in in the vision, and then I use it later on. So it's kind of this mm-hmm. like. In the vision, it, it, it's very clearly like the elves are coming, um, and this is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like saying like, and then like that's what's going to happen. It's almost like it's kind of advancing time and being like, you know, they made they made this world ready for for you know the children of Iluvatar to come. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not like this is immediately afterwards or not, it's just kind of you know, just kind of wanted to want to pull a little boat in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I dig it. I totally dig it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I just you know I, I figured like I would make it white. They have the, the swan ships, um, you know, in in the later on in the book, and so I just like the whiteness kind of reflects, um, you know, their their kind of like celestial origin. Yeah, like they're coming. They're coming from a Luvatar, who's also white. Very oh, cool. okay, Very gotcha. Cool. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. that one panel there. It says in the earth. As a garden for their delight. That when I saw that, I was like, totally had it. I want to go to their moment. I was like, can I just jump into the book yeah. and <laughs> land there? I mean, it's just so idyllic and just, I mean, mm-hmm. just untouched and uh, beautiful. The colors are just, you know, beautiful. fabulous. Yeah, yeah, they really are. They really that, are. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts to do. Uh, this this last part, the, the part um, starting there and then kind of, the end of the book that was actually the first part that I drew um, oh. oh well I drew the first page and then I drew this part because um, like I was just kind of raring to get to these because I, I just I really had I these were so solid in my mind it's like it's kind of like it's like you're drawing you're, I'm drawing this kind of like dusk 
world that's barely illuminated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much kind of like, I don't know. It, it, it all felt very Disney to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I just had to get it out. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's one of my favorite panels too. Yeah. yeah, it's really pretty. Very it's cool. Really, really pretty. Yeah. Um, so, um, I th- you know, we could probably just go through panel by panel and, and just <laughs> continue asking questions about each one. Um, yeah. You know, I, th- I think um, uh, I, th- I think we've reached, you know, a little over an hour. Uh, and, and I think that's probably a pretty, pretty good interview for... <laughs> For sanity's sake, um, this is definitely the longest I've ever talked about. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I could go on. I, you know, oh, it just like, we I, could I, do yeah. a part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I just I love talking about. Um, I love learning about creative processes and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you all, you know, and and just something this great, you know, uh, it, it's just worth diving into. But um, I do have to say that. Um, it, you know, of course, there, we talked about, you know, if you ever get a chance doing some other Silmarillion stuff and maybe even doing Baron and Luthien, um, that would definitely be my vote for the next story to tackle if you ever get around to it. And um, uh, and I would also say that if you ever get a chance to do a non-Middle-Earth story of Tolkien's, my vote would be for Leaf by Niggle. I'd love to see what you do with, with hmm. um, Leaf by Niggle. Have you ever read that story? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't read anything outside of the Middle-Earth stuff for of his. Well, that's that's one of. Um, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of stuff that's non Middle Earth, but um, it's a short story. And if you ever get a chance to read that one, it's pretty. Uh, I got the I got the little friend joining you over there. Yeah, he's just telling me about something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, if you ever do get a chance, and it's a really cool story because uh, it is about creativity, and, it, and it's and it's really not. It's nothing like any of the Middle Earth stories. It's very like it takes. It's almost it's almost like an allegory and. Um, and it takes place in, you know, just like the real world or supposed to take place in the real world. But it's a very, um, you know, it's, it, it says a lot about how he viewed creativity. Um, so really cool story. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, um, Greta, did you have any other, any other questions or? No, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Evan, this is just amazing. <laughs> and, um, oh, okay. as someone who's just now making my way through the Silmarillion for the, the very first time, this, I mean, this gets me excited. To, to know more um, about what's to come. and yeah. um, It really helps me to understand the Idle Indelay a lot better, too. Right. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that, that's... I kind of made it for people like you, honestly. I made it for people who re- like read the first page, got scared, mm-hmm. uh, but still have an interest in it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted people to kind of like have this little toe-dipping to kind of like be like, this is kind of what it is, you know? Yeah. Set yeah. them up, and then they can read the whole book. And like still have like a basis for it right like, that, exactly. was, that was the hardest part for me to get there it's just like it's so non-physical that it was just so hard to like to kind of get through it and and, yeah. and i think this is yeah. like i i almost always make make things for people like me or make i make comics because like they're not there like this didn't exist um as far as i know it didn't maybe it may have but um yeah I, i'm glad i'm glad for someone like you, it's definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly the, the point of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, any other, uh, Evan, any other, you know, big uh, big things within it that you maybe want to point out, like cool little um, Easter eggs that maybe we didn't catch or something like that, you know, within it? Um, I I think, like, the, the parts where it's non, 
like they're just kind of talking about like seeing stuff in the future and it's very vague mm-hmm. um that was kind of the biggest challenge for me and i and i loved you're talking about like the middle section yeah the middle section yeah. where i love just kind of like hinting at stuff and mm-hmm. like you know it, it also gave me a little chance to like kind of show like hey this is what's coming yeah this stuff that's gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah I'd still be like really mm-hmm. big about it and like i just love being like well, at least I get to draw the trees once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. The, uh, you know, I meant to ask you about that, and I didn't write the question mm-hmm. down. Um, the a little higher. I think it was a little higher. Yeah. Right there. So that is supposed to be um, the two trees, Laurelin and yeah. Telperion, right there. With the, oh, I didn't this think it is that. trees. Um, the, okay. the first two are when, or I forget what they're called, but the the two the lamps, the two the two lamps, yeah. and the, then them falling. Um, oh, okay. oh, oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. The tipping over and the breaking of the world and uh, right. Yeah, and, break, and, yeah. And it was just like it was a really nice chance to be like, here's what's coming, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Like it's all mm-hmm. in visuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what the heck are these things? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like to me that was like the most fun part of it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very That's cool. That's very very cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just. Um, it, it just really is. It's it's a really it's a really cool thing, you know, that uh, that you shared with just anybody who happens upon your website, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think it's it's about as as great an introduction to the Silmarillion as you know as I can imagine mm-hmm. there being um, mm-hmm. if for those who uh, are looking to get a start. Um, yes, it's just it's it's just pretty cool. It is, yeah. yeah. And if you ever get to a point where you can print more, please let us know because I would buy several copies. <laughs> Sounds like if he ever gets to the point where he can print more, he's gonna be he's gonna be a rich man if, if that uh, ever happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there it's a great thing to like have people that really want it, and like I get, I literally get like twenty messages a day. Yeah. So if one of your listeners is one of those people that has emailed <laughs> me and I haven't answered, that's why. Yeah. I get way too many to answer, and it's always it's I basically have like a copy paste that's like hey i can't print anymore because it's not legal yeah Um, sorry sorry i shouldn't have done it in the first place um Mm. so you know i I honestly if i have if i'm being honest like i don't think it's ever going to happen that i make more i didn't think about the whole legal thing yeah Yeah, i I would absolutely love to because i honestly think that like you know it it was something i did for fun Mm -hmm. and for some reason those are always the things that are the most successful Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think you're in the right. meantime, I've got many other things that have nothing to do with licensed work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's that's kind of the, the you know my focus. Well, do you want right. to do you want to tell us briefly about some of some of your other projects? Um, yeah, I mean, if we're gonna stick with comics, I've got uh, a graphic novel that I'm working on, and when I say working on, I mean I have been working on forever, and <laughs> uh, will eventually finish. Um, it's called The Godens. It's a fantasy novel about uh, four bumbling goblins uh, who suck at everything. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, it's more comedy-driven, but it's, yeah. it's also still like a serious story. Um, I, the first three are on my website. Uh, the fourth one is in progress. Um, the fourth one is taking forever because it's also twice as long as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the four, like that's where it starts to get serious. Um, but that's kind of like the, my big comics thing. I'm making other comics for uh, for other people at the same time, um, which is why I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> um, and also at the same time, I'm a I'm a freelance illustrator and uh, cartoonist, so I'm, I'm you know I do plenty of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm actually working on illustrating a story about 
video games right now that is really cool and has lasers in it. Awesome. Oh, that's neato. I bet yeah, our boys I, would I, eat I that up. keep working on it after we were done here. <laughs> Well, cool. That's very cool. Are you allowed to share the name of that yet, or is it? Uh, no, it's it's a. It's, it's like still a, in it's, production. Yeah, I don't actually have the name of it. It's not. Oh, I didn't, it's, okay. it's not like it, they're kind of like spot illustrations for a magazine article. I so, see. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's cool. But it, it has like animated bits to it. It's really cool. <laughs> so if you follow me on Tumblr, it'll be on there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Good cool. deal. Well, Good deal. Uh, those who are listening, go over to. EvanPalmerComics.com, and I think you can find the gateway to all this goodness yep, right there, right? There. Yeah, EvanPalmerComics.com. That's it. That's awesome. Cool. Well, um, awesome. Well, Evan, thanks so much, you know, for making the time to join us and to talk about this. Um, yes, thank it's, you. Uh, it's it was just, fun. It was fun. You know, just really, really cool work. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. thanks again for for making it for spending the time to do it, and then making it available for free for everybody to look at. So yeah. it's just really cool. It um, is, yes. Yeah, so, and uh, hey, stick around for just a second after after we uh, press stop, because I'd like cool. to ask you a couple more questions. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And um, this has been, you've been listening to Talking Tolkien, and um, uh, thanks, and thanks, Evan. Thanks, Greta. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Please remember to check out truemyths.org for show notes as well as other Tolkien goodness. Also, please visit Evan's website at evanpalmercomics.com. On the next podcast, Brett and I will discuss Tolkien's short story, Leaf by Niggle. Be sure to tune in. Thanks for listening.